five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for future topics you would like me to cover, please do get in touch with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter using the handle diary of a kidney warrior in today's episode i am bringing you the second in a series of warrior women stories now there's always something you can learn from someone's story something that can bring inspiration and hope my guest today from manchester england is multiple chronic illness and stage two kidney warrior eddie Eddie is a 40-year-old wife and mom and describes herself as a strong believer in exploring diet and exercise as a way to help improve quality of life and outcomes to chronic illnesses. Welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Eddie? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks very much for inviting me on. I'm quite excited to share my story with people. And you're very welcome and thank you for, you know, sharing your time with us and your journey. So I'm going to ask my first question. Um, I know that you have more than one chronic illness, um, but how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? Um, it started in 2017. I have fibromyalgia, so I was a rheumatologist and I had a routine blood test in December 2017 as a part of that um, appointment and I got a letter just before Christmas that same year saying um, not to worry but your, your EGFR um, is quite low it's 67 and um, it's not normally what we'd expect to see in someone your age so we're going to ask your GP to follow it up but don't panic it'll be fine so um, like most people do I just ignored it and then in January 2017 18 I um went to my GP for something else and they were like oh we've got this um this blood test back um we want you to have another test um didn't say what it was for didn't really explain anything so they sent me for another test and this time came back about 57 so they said oh wait no you've got to go for another test um and um tried another one and it came back the same and they advised me you know make sure you're hydrated make sure you've not ate too much protein the night before because that can give you a false reading so I did all those things and had a third test and it came back in his 50s again so um I, that was going on and then what happened was um I think by the time we got all them three tests done we were at the end of March and right at the beginning of April um I was due to go back to see the doctor, but I had to make an emergency appointment because I had really bad headache and I'd taken my blood pressure and it was really high. Um, so I went to see my GP that morning. I got an emergency appointment and she sent me to the hospital um, and I was admitted um, because my blood pressure was, you know, very, very high. Um, they did... Um, they did tests, I had scans, I had an ECG, um, I had a lumbar puncture, and they couldn't find why my um, uh, blood pressure was so high. Um, 
no one picked up about kidneys at that stage. Um, but they sent me home and they said, you've got to go and see your GP. You, you need to start taking medication for your blood pressure. Um, at the same time, I didn't know this, but at the same time that the doctor had sent me to the um, A&E, um, she'd also referred me for an ultrasound in the community for my kidneys. And that was on the back of me keep having this um, low EGFR. So I think it was a couple of days after um, I'd come out of hospital for the hypertension that I had a ultrasound and it was quite painful when I had it done and the um the lady who did it just said oh your GP will be in touch soon and I think it was maybe the next day they came back um and said that um I got something called hydronephrosis and that it was moderate and it was on both kidneys um so I went to see the doctor this was all in the same week I went to see my, my GP and my GP said um he drew all these pictures for me to explain what it was and he said basically um I got this condition called hydronephrosis um, and that meant that my kidneys weren't letting the urine out. So um, and that was what it was making them grow in size and that possibly could be what was causing the low EGFR which caused um, damage to my kidneys. Um, so at that point, they he didn't really kind of know what would happen. He said, we'll refer you to a nephrologist and we'll refer you to a urologist. And then he said... Um, you might have stents or they might do um, a nephrostomy and said that that was like a catheter almost that comes out your side, um, which really scared me. <laughs> the thought of um, having like tubes out the back, out my back, because um, I was quite active. I did, you know, like um, exercise classes. So it was all a bit sudden and a bit of a shock. Um, so they referred me in April 2019 to a nephrologist, a urologist, and I didn't see anybody until I think it was July 2018 I saw the nephrologist and she just basically said um your EGFR is not low enough for me to see you you know there's not really much I can do it looks like more of a mechanical issue with your ureters so um she discharged me she said um because it was a different trust than the urologist just because of the availability of specialists at that time and so they said um I'll discharge it and I'll ask your urologist to refer you to a nephrologist um, at a later date should you EGFR come down further and you sustain more kidney damage. And that was that from her. So no advice, nothing at that point. Um, and then I saw a urologist in 2018. He basically said, well, the only thing we could do is possibly look at putting stents in or we can just leave you. We'll watch and wait. But by that point, I was getting quite a lot of back pain, flank pain. Um, my tummy was swelling up. Um, it was keeping me up at night because the urine only seemed to come out. It, it would, I can't go all day. And then I'd maybe stop passing urine about three o'clock in the afternoon and then would pass again till maybe one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So my sleep was disturbed. So I asked them to try the stents just to see if I could get some relief. Um, they were put in in October 2018. So I had a stent in each ureter. That's done um, under um, general anaesthetic and they had a little look um, via a cytoscope just to check that there was nothing else there that they needed to know about um, fortunately that came back clear they just said you know they put the stents in they were then taken out in December 2018 I'd had by the time I had them taken out I think I'd had three infections um, three uh, urinary tract infections that I tracked up to my kidneys um so we had them taken out um the the main rationale for it was was that um it wasn't really changing my egfr 
that wasn't improving anything and it, it was kind of making things worse because of the infections. Um, so they said, right, well, we'll take them out. So they took them out in December and then he said, well, we'll see you back in March, end of March for arena gram, just to see how your kidneys are, if, if anything's changed. Because apparently sometimes when you have them in, they can stretch and um, it rectifies the, the problem. Um, so I went back in March and... Again, my kidneys on the venogram, that, that measures, just for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that they inject dye into your kidneys and it measures the, the rate at which it um, lets your urine out. So if there's any kind of delay, it suggests that maybe there's an obstruction. Now, for most people, that could be something like a kidney stone, but in my case, all the kind of investigations had shown that there was nothing physical obstructing it. It, it, it was just that the ureters, the, there was something um, in the way they were built or it might have been in another organ pressing on it so they were satisfied that they couldn't take anything out to improve the flow um, at that point I was just getting a bit kind of um, de- kind of demoralised by it because I felt like such a long time had gone on and I was still in a lot of pain and the, the urologist that I had just really wasn't explaining what was going on and what I could do and I felt that maybe there was more information I could have been given on how to look after myself um, I come from a medical background and I was just a bit alarmed that um, that no one was telling me anything about my kidney care so I went to my GP and because my EGFR hadn't got any better by this point it was still like low 50s and I just said can I, can I have a second opinion because I'm just a bit concerned and he agreed and said yep yeah, sure we'll send you off so um, that was in April 2019, and in September 2019, I saw a new urologist at a different trust, and they were fabulous. They were like, yeah, this is no way to live your life, you know, pain every day, um, you know, it's really impacting on my sleep and my, my, my well-being. Um, so they said, well, what we just need to do is do our own venogram, just so we definitely know before we refer you to a different trust for the pyloplasty. Um just need to check that's fine so uh, and there's still a problem so they did a venogram in 2019 in december and um it, it was the worst it had ever been it was really really slow and it took several hours after the actual procedure for it to drain completely um so they said the only option i had if i um in terms of trying to get relief from it was um you could put stenting in the interim, but the long-term solution would be something called a pyloplasty where they cut part of the ureter that was blocked or kinked or scarred and they cut it away and then resectioned the ureter back into the pelvic junction. Um, so they said that they probably need both that doing on both sides um, and that there was this trust in the northwest that do it by um, laparoscopic surgery and the outcomes are often better when you've got that rather than major surgery so um, they referred me to this other trust and then we went into lockdown um, they phoned me in lockdown and said well we're going to put you on a list um, and as soon as um, things uh, kind of settle with covid we're, we're going to do a right-handed pile of plastic so we're going to do that for you um, before we got to that point I'd actually then needed um, emergency stents put in because things were getting too painful. So um, I, I was seen by somebody um, and they gave me these stents. Um, and again, they had no explanation um, at the emergency department why my kidneys might not be working properly. Um, and I still don't have an op- a, 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 a full kind of explanation today, but I was very fortunate to get a phone call in July of this year and, um, 
telling me that I, I could come in the next week to have my pyloplasty. So um, I've now had a right-sided pyloplasty. Um, that was about six weeks ago. Um, um, currently got stents in both kidneys. Um, I'm having them out on Friday this week, and we will see whether my um, kidneys are you know, it, whether it's worked. And um, as for my left kidney, we're, we're, we're going to see um, in the next renogram how that's doing and whether that will need doing now or at later date. So it's, it's been a different, it, it, for me, it's, it's not like a lot of the kidney journeys I see because it's not kidney disease as, as you read it. It's, it's, it's kind of kidney disease um, as secondary to a kind of more mechanical problem. But, um, but yeah, so that's my journey. That, that's how I ended up um, as a kidney patient. Um, uh, not many answers, but, uh, and there's not much information out there about it. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that's my, um, my, my journey. It's a bit chaotic, but it has been. <laughs> it's um, kind of been passed from one pillar to post. People saying, oh, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. Go, go somewhere else, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, so at, at this present time, um, you know, um, um, my kidneys are kind of stage two to three, just depending. There were three, stage three before I had stents in, and then the stents improved the function up to the kind of lower end of stage two. Um, but yeah, I've been told that, you know, this, um, the pyroplasty might kind of relieve it, but it probably won't kind of fix it, you know, kind of, imp- I won't get my kidney function back. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely have been through a, a lot, um, having so much to deal with and really going from one specialist to another. But well done. You I have a, a saying that um, we have to be our own health manager. And for you to have the courage to say, you know what, I want a second opinion. Um, and then what has come from from that, you know, is really admirable and well done. It's, it, it takes great strength and courage to do that. So, yes, you truly are a warrior by doing so. <laughs> Thank you. I, I would just encourage anybody listening to this, um, you know, obviously there are sometimes um, situations in, in, in your clinical care that, you know, you might feel it's wrong, but, you know, with the best will in the world, the doctors are right. But it's always just worth asking. You know, um, sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we think our care is wrong because we're frustrated. But um, it's always just worth asking because any decent clinician won't mind you just questioning it. If it just means that they just need to give a further explanation, then so be it. But um, it is worth if you, if something feels wrong or you feel like you know you're not really getting the care you should do. It's just worth asking that question. Um, it certainly opened the door for me in terms of where we are today. That's really good advice. So my next question is, what is the one thing you wish you had known when you were first diagnosed? Um, I wish I'd known the link between blood pressure and kidney disease. Um, They treated, so my urologist, sorry, not they, the urologist um, treated it very separate to my kidney disease. My GP approached it as um we think this is interlinked you know you had low blood pressure before now you've suddenly got high blood pressure and you know you've got this problem with your kidneys um so it was quite difficult so at first I didn't realize the you know the 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 very kind of uh, close link between the two but I wish I'd known um 
how important it was to regulate and make sure you, your blood pressure is um, is within safe um, kind of readings limits. Um, I wish I'd known that things like because I smoked, um, and obviously we know the breathing kind of implications and cancer. But I didn't think that might affect my blood pressure and my kidneys. Um, I quit smoking as soon as I got that very first reading right back in 2017. I quit on the day I got the information. Um, but things like um, too much caffeine, um, too much salt, um, not eating too much um, protein. So back in the day, I was one of the um, Kato kids. Um, I loved my high protein, you know, um, fasting, doing exercise, doing exercise without drinking water properly, you know, doing your dry exercise and um, all these kind of fads. And I didn't realise how, what impact they could have if, if, if you've got a kidney problem. So um, I just wish I was more aware of, of how to look after your kidneys because I feel like that information's not there. I feel like you only access that information once someone tells you there's an issue and you actually go looking for it. It's not like don't eat too much sugar, you might get diabetes. You know, everybody knows that. It's on everything. But kidney disease, not as much. People, I don't think people realise, and I certainly didn't. Has having kidney disease affected how you see yourself as a woman? Yes. So um, this is quite personal, but I'm happy to share it because I think you should normalise it. Um, and I've done this on the internet before with somebody who's had urethral stents. So, um, you know, um, stents can cause things like um, incontinence, um, bleeding, infections, um, urine infections and soreness. It can make um, uh, sexual intercourse uncomfortable. Um, so for me, the first time, because I've, I've had stents, this is my third set of stents now. Um, for me, at first... Um, it, it really affected my kind of uh, my, my well-being. Um, I, I did feel a bit less of a woman because it, it, it didn't work. And certainly with the um, continence issue, you know, um, kind of worrying that if I didn't get near a to- you know, if I wasn't near a toilet, you know, I think maybe every 20 minutes at first I had to go to the toilet because it gives you kind of frequency and urgency. And, 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 you know, kind of, it's quite disempowering. And in terms of kind of how I feel about my body, um, I felt like I didn't have control over it. And I felt like I'd suddenly gone from like a, what I thought was like a young person to someone who kind of needs tenor, tenor lady overnight, you know. So it was, um, it was quite, it was quite hard to deal with. Um, one positive thing though, that's come from it is that um, I've put diet culture behind me. So um, obviously when you've got problems with your kidneys and your blood pressure, um, doing the latest fad diet or, um, you know, bowing down to the pressures of society about what your body looks like, um, it kind of becomes insignificant and seems a little bit um, kind of selfish to, to kind of worry about those things. You know, I've got a son and suddenly I just need make sure that I was there for him and that my body was as healthy as I could make it. So one nice thing is now is that I accept my body for what it is um, and and I'm free of all the diet stuff and image stuff because I just think, well, this is me now and I just want to make the most of this this lovely body. That's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Self-acceptance is powerful and very healing as well. So, So how did you... How did you begin to um, to change that, like when you were beginning to feel that way and then move towards the positive? What would you say was the turning point for you that got you to move on? 
So I, um, at first, I had maybe for the first couple of months after, after diagnosis, right back in 2018, um, I had a few months where I had an internal kind of conflict about I don't want to, I want to eat really high protein and I want to do all this kind of, um, you know, I want to have 10 coffees a day or whatever because I don't want to put on weight. Um, and I had this kind of, because um, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, you know, I, I couldn't intermittent fast and I couldn't do all these things while still keeping myself healthy because I need to make sure I had proper intake. Um, I suddenly sat down one day and I just thought, what am I doing, you know? What, 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 why am I worrying about weight loss and what my body looks like when it's falling apart around me, you know? Because at that point, my blood pressure wasn't controlled because it took quite a long time to get that under control. Um, my blood pressure wasn't controlled, you know. Um, my kidneys were getting worse and worse. Um, and there was me worrying about, like, my protein intake, you know, my macros. And I just suddenly thought, what am I doing? You know, I just need to relax. I need to do a bit of reading up about how to keep myself... Um, health um, and then in beginning of this year I decided to make an Instagram account for myself like for, for, for this journey to keep it away from um, I mean it's not that I'm excluding people from work or friends some people don't need to see it or they don't want to um, and what I found was um, quite a few kind of body positive type um, accounts where you know looking at people that had had um, operations or um, devices or people with bladder problems um, or bowel problems and I suddenly thought well you know if they can love themselves I, I think I can love myself with these two stents in because no one can see them you know and I was just like why am I kind of getting so wound up about it um, and yeah so main, I know a lot of people say social media you know, as its negative points, but for me, it's helped my love, helped me love myself. Um, it's helped me come to terms with things um, through seeing other people and being empowered by um, other people that I see on online that are, you know, going through challenging times with the health, um, but are loving the bodies they're in. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. The power of social media can actually be a positive thing. That's wonderful. I think sometimes social media does get a bad rep you know, for putting negative pressures on people. But the flip side of it is it also, as you've said, can open up wonderful, you know, body, people being able to see their body in a positive light and being able to move forward. So that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) How has your illness impacted your family? Um significantly um so i have a son with additional needs and i i have a husband of 10 years um you know my i I work full-time um and it's a desk job so i'm able to do that you know without um it it doesn't impact me that much i I struggled um traveling um when the stents are in obviously um, i work in manchester which is um it's quite a significant commute in on public transport and there were some times when you know i was worried i'm gonna have to get off the bus because i might have an accident or sometimes the uh, the painkillers that i was given for my flank pain would make me feel sick and i'd actually have to get off the bus and vomit before work get back on a bus and 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 you know just brush off and get back to it you know um 
the people I work with are quite used to me just going having a minute where I've been sick or I've just felt kind of, you know, the pain's been bad and I've just got to kind of get myself back together again. Um, in terms of my home life, obviously, I've had to explain to um, my son, um, he's old enough to understand, but I've had to explain, mummy can't do this and mummy can't do that. And, you know, um, on the days where I've been really fatigued or in a lot of pain, um, it's impacted on my ability to be able to do things with him. I can still care for him, but, you know, sometimes if he wants to go trampoline, mummy can't always do that without, you know, being scared of having an accident or, you know, being in a lot of pain afterwards. Um, my husband has had to pick up quite a lot of... Um, what would traditionally kind of be roles that mum would do. Um, he is very much the carer of our son now, and I'm kind of the breadwinner. And But that's how um, we've managed to work it, because he does have to do a lot of the heavy kind of stuff, because I can't do it, you know, um, because I, I, um, of the pain that I'm in or the fatigue I've got. So my husband's amazing. He really is. Uh, I'm so fortunate. Um, but, yeah, it does have a big impact. And I'm sure, you know, um, he would say it must be difficult for people around me when I go in for these operations or the A&E appointments I've had where they've rushed me in and he's not been able to stay with me because he's got to be home for our son. Um, and my son also, you know, trying to explain when I'm not there because he likes his routine you know, that can, it can be really disruptive, but well, I'm just really lucky that I've got people around me that are supportive and my son's school are really good, like we told them about it, and they're really good at kind of trying to help us and support us through it because it's not finished yet, you know, we're, we're only halfway and I don't, I, I don't know whether... Um, I don't know whether this has worked, this most recent operation. So, you know, that, that kind of weighs over you and every, every day. Um, but we just try to take it with a smile and, you know, just focus on the day-to-day things. And like I said before about um, it kind of setting you free with having an illness like this sets you free with the kind of materialistic things that don't really matter anymore. It also makes you um, appreciate just the day-to-day stuff. So, you know, um, I kind of... All this time that I've maybe, you know, if I've been resting or staying in or if I've been off sick, I've just kind of, um, you know, learned to just enjoy time with my family and just the simple things, um, which I feel really blessed for. That's wonderful. Just, I'm like searching for things to say, but what I want to say is that is wonderful that ultimately people are the most important and our family are the most important our loved ones are the most important and um so i'm really happy that you have that support and that's really nice to know thank you i think that you know the kidney disease and kidney illnesses um, and any chronic illness can be life-changing um in my case it's changed it but on some points for the better you know it's made me slow down it's made me realize what's important in life and made me kind of change my priorities which um you know i think was a good thing absolutely what advice would you give someone who's just been diagnosed with kidney disease um take ownership so try not to panic um it can there's a lot of information out there but the information can sometimes be just about the end stages and that can be really really frightening um one thing i did was just um i guess through social media and through you know the internet was that i just read up on information and um, i wanted to see people like me 
um, or people that were further on in the journey than me to see what it looked like. Just familiarise yourself. So because it all seems um, in black and white, it all seems so daunting. And yet, when you go and look, you know, look on social media or on the internet, or even in you know kidney um, charity um, publications, you see people you know people like you living their lives not letting it get on top of them you know so my advice would be to 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 have a good look find someone you know find people that you can relate to and and look at what they're doing to manage it um and also um you know don't be afraid to ask for help because um the mental health side um is an impact that you don't really see a lot on but i think it's really significant because it's quite a lot to take in and especially when it's such when you get diagnosed you you don't know how quick anything will be some people's journeys from you know diagnosis to the point where you know their kidneys fail it was really really quick um some people it, it can last you know over a lifetime so for me i just think um if you're struggling with your mental health, find somebody who knows and, you know, or find an organisation that deal with people who have kidney problems and, and just talk to somebody. Don't, don't bottle it up. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of people still living their lives and still being fabulous and doing wonderful things. So don't think it's a life sentence. You know, there, there are, you, you can still live your life. You've just got to kind of tailor it to you. That is fantastic advice. Thank you. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Um, so I have been to Kidney Care UK. I signed up for one of their publications. I followed them on social media. I've used the internet um, to look at their website. I've used Kidney Research as well. Um, and I have from there, I've got information about, um, although my stage, the stage that I'm at, I don't particularly have to have a very, very regulated, specific diet. There is lots of information there about how to live your life and the kind of things that you put into your body, how to be more kidney friendly. And I think that has been the most important thing. Um, Because in all this time, my kidney um, function never bottomed, so it dropped really quickly, but then we've kept it nice and stable. And I really think that's because um, I got my blood pressure under control. I kind of was really mindful and learned about what kind of things can be put strain on your kidneys um, and tried to adapt my diet around that. So I had a read about renal diets. Um, obviously, you, you, you know, you shouldn't take on a diet without checking with the GP, you know, make sure that someone professional can help you. But I, I went to my GP and said, you know, is this right? You know, if are these kind, you know, too much protein, does that put um, a strain on it or too much salt? Was that, you know, is that, does that damage your kidneys? Um, unregulated, you know, diabetes, that kind of thing. I, I asked him all about it because I just wanted to know everything. Um, and he said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you could do with not drinking, not smoking, you know, be very mindful about what you're eating and you, you, you salt intake and make sure you take medications and you exercise regular um and i did all those things and um yeah I, I mostly got that from the two charities across the two charities in terms of day-to-day living and tips um i'm afraid the only place i could get that was uh, social media and um, i think there's a big gap in how to do kidney disease mm-hmm. um you know kind of a- a advice for people it kind of i, I just find that, that there's just nothing there that tells you about the day-to-day um, workings and how to look after yourself there really isn't much much there um 
but yeah, through uh, social media, I found people um, like yourself <laughs> that were um, improving um, their well-being and, you know, kind of um, your fitness challenge that you did. Um, uh, that's how I found you. You, you exercise for 10 days, um, you know, doing something every day. Um, it really inspired me, you know, um, I read up on your profile. I've read your article in um, Kidney Care UK in their publication, and it's you know it, I, I found I got as much from people like yourself from social media as I did off the charities. Um, so I do think there's a bit of a gap there, and it's a shame because I'm privileged enough to be able to access um, social media, um, and I can access that when I want to. But not everybody can, so I do think there is a little bit of a, a shortfall. Um, and I certainly would advise anybody if if you can't access that and you want some advice to to ask, maybe contact one of the charities and see whether they can sign post you to anywhere. Thank you. Do you have um, a final word for our listeners? Um, just keep smiling. Um, you know, I take it, uh, I'm probably one of the happiest patients <laughs> when I go into hospital. I think um, you've just got to, you know, you, you've got to take charge. Um, don't let the illness happen to you. You know, just kind of don't let it take over. You're still the same person. Um and just take charge and, and you own it rather than the other way around. You know, you've got to keep smiling, never give up um, and just don't ever underestimate the power of exercise. Even if it's chair based exercise, that's how I started, you know, um, doing weights in chairs and yoga in chairs. You know, um, just do something, move your body um, because you've really, really got to look after your mental health when you've got a chronic illness. And I just can't emphasize enough how much how important that is um, overall because if your mental health's not in check then everything else can just sometimes seem too much thank you so much thank you so much for sharing your story and so much um really really good advice thank you oh you're welcome <laughs> thank you for listening to part two of diary of a kidney warrior podcast warrior women's story series And don't forget that you can contact me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. The next episode of the Warrior Women's Stories series will be released on Friday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.